you pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where DeSantis. Yeah, I said it. Now everybody listen to our show. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I've already tripped up on some of the common verbiage we use on the show, I use on the show. Uh, I'm sure you hear it in my voice. Uh, I'm pretty exhausted right now. We're recording this on a Sunday as always. And the last three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, were the Florida State Wrestling Tournament. Uh, I had six girls go, as I previously mentioned. Three of them placed. One won the championship. The other two got seventh. We finished fourth as the team. But it's very tiring because weigh-ins are early every day. They're like eight in the morning. So you have to get there early to make sure everyone's there and they're on weight. And then wrestling would go till like 8 p.m. every night. And then, of course, our school runs the tournament. So after on set on Saturday, after the consolations and places matches were finished before the finals, had to break down eight mats, leave four there. That includes all the like electronic setups and stuff. And then after the finals were over, which the finals take forever because there's a ceremony for the Hall of Fame. There's a ceremony for things like the Sportsmanship Award. And then between finals, they give awards for the placers. Uh, and that takes a while because they have you know the four classes, the three boys classes, and then the, the one girls class. And then afterwards, it's, it's tradition to go out to eat at a local sports bar. So... It's it's exhausting physically, and it's exhausting emotionally. Just the amount of emotions that are involved in this big culminating event for your entire season. And then five of my girls are seniors that made it, right? I had a few other seniors that didn't make it, but five of my six girls that qualified are seniors. So I watched the last match. A lot of them will have a wrestle for me and you know it's very difficult even you know my 130 pounder finished seventh and she had a great pin but after the celebration of hey you finished your career with a a win there's hey you finished your career so a lot of uh tears both happy and sad a lot of yelling because the arena is very loud and it's hard for people to hear you So we're going to try and rip through this episode of the podcast. There was a lot of farce this week, a lot. And I was trying to keep track of it while coaching and while watching what was going on in the tournament, but it's difficult. So we're not going to go super deep into things, but there was a lot, a lot of farce. It was actually farcical how much farce there was. Let me bring in my co-host. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege... William Green. 
Hello, hello. My va- my voice is not as raggedy as yours, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a little bit. Uh, was uh, in San Diego on Friday night. Um, Were you know, jacking with, it in San Diego? I was uh, with uh, uh, listener Dane and uh, uh, my friend Ray that lives down in San Diego and his wife. Uh, we all went and saw Hot Mulligan in the Wonder Years at good old uh, North Park, uh, the observatory. So it was great. I hadn't been in that venue yeah, in cool. so long and, uh, it was a great, great show. Um, and, uh, then had to scoot it back here, um, to watch the UFC fights. And those were fun and entertaining. And then, uh, rained out of kickball again. That's two times the season already. Uh, this, this uh, climate change is, is, is messing me up, man. Okay, so you're still in LA. You didn't move without telling us. No, no, I no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't uh, left this cesspool yet. But uh, man, oh man, this rain! I, I, I checked, and uh, uh, Justin, this will not come as a surprise to you. We are still in a drought. <laughs> they will forever be in a drought. <laughs> still I think they forget still it's a desert. <laughs> it's a desert climate. They like set up a city in a desert, and then they were like, "Wait, we're in a drought." Then maybe don't live in the desert. <laughs> Uh, or maybe build a desalination plant. Oh wait, no, we can't. <laughs> that that that's going back to the early years of the podcast. We don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> uh, but it was it's been a fun weekend, and uh, I I did mostly just uh, I'm actually a little glad that kickball got rained out because I was not looking forward to summoning all the energy needed after uh, all this uh, this exciting and fun weekend already. So so relaxing uh, is the plan now. After. A kick-ass show. Well, so maybe relaxing gives me the answer to what I wanted to ask you. That since you identify as a, as a female, right, as a woman, mm-hmm. and the court just ruled against USA Powerlifting saying they can't discriminate based on gender, are you going to participate in female <laughs> powerlifting professionally now? I'm, I'm going to consider it, but I have a feeling Zuby might beat me. So, uh yeah. So but I, he's I British. Think, yeah, I, I don't know if the, that's true, but I don't know. I I I can't I can't do as good as Zuby. So uh, that's funny. But uh, what if we discriminate on sex instead of gender? Would that be allowed? Uh, I don't know. So I guess we'll find out. I mean that that that'd be an interesting legal approach. Do you think they're going to take that legal approach? Hell no. They they've been conflating the two words for so long. It's not doesn't even matter in the law anymore. And there we go. So that's a little bit of farce there. Let's head into the rest of it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. And if you don't want to support us monetarily, tell a friend about the show. That would be an awesome way to grow the show. And, you know, preferably tell a female friend, but I don't know if we're allowed to discriminate based on gender. So just just tell a friend. All right. Very briefly, William. Would you like to update everyone about the Canadian teacher with the size Z prosthetic breasts? <laughs> uh, yeah, this was an exciting story. Uh, apparently, they're on, they're suspended, and it's not a hundred percent sure why. I think I haven't, I haven't seen if there were any updates, 
But uh, it seems like uh, being caught walking around without your breasts on in the neighborhood and only ever wearing it at school, someone has finally uh, someone's finally done took took some sort of action. So I don't know. I think the troll prediction is coming true. Justin, what do you think? Uh, it's it certainly seems like it. I mean, the idea that he wasn't wearing them outside of school and he's intentionally wearing them in school. It can either go one of two ways. It can either go, it's a troll or it's some sort of weird fetish. So I hope it's a troll for the sake of all the students involved. Yeah. What a positive, what a positive story this will end up being if it's all but a troll. Whoever thought that would be said. Uh, I think trolls do. uh, uh, Trolls can provide a valuable service. And I think this, uh, this proves the point. They can. And I think we'll get into that later with, uh, the education story when we say gatekeepers can serve a valuable service as well. But first, uh, I want to talk about, I don't even want to say trolls. This article from BuzzFeed News, and I don't usually like to talk about BuzzFeed because, you know, they're, we know they're absolutely insane. But this story is an extra level of insane. Right? The headline is, this is what your worlds are lacking. Artists are using AI to create fat, black, sci-fi, and fantasy characters. And here's my whole thing about this, William. My thing about this entire story, okay? It's the package deal. It's the package deal for me. And what I mean by that is, look, I get it. You want to make a sci-fi story about black characters? Sure, okay. Go ahead. You want to make a sci-fi story about fat characters? Sure, okay. Go ahead. Right, I, we're gonna watch a trailer later that's exclusively about black characters. And uh, spoiler, I'm gonna I'm gonna hug it. I don't I don't care if it's a good story. It's a good story. But why specifically is it fat black characters? Why is that what our world is lacking? Why is that the hill that some people are are willing to die on? It's it's bizarre to me. Yeah. I mean, we were we've been railing about this for so long. I always bring it up, but the example of a small business contract—you have to be a fat, one-armed lesbian veteran in order to get any government contracts, and and the, the amount of just wasteful money spent in, spent on you know paying some uh, one-armed lesbian vet to go to Dell dot com and order your server for you—it's it, it's crazy, right? But the, like we've done it, we've done it for so long now that it's just second nature for a lot of people, and so like. Just that 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 lowering of expectations, right? Like, of course, we have to check all these boxes because that's what's lacking, right? Well, yeah, and I, I think it's best sub, uh, summed up by the subheadline here: "Fat black people deserve to be main characters capable of anything." A. Why? B. Capable of anything? Well, I guess it's and fantasy. Get, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I mean, I guess that's probably the problem with the genre. And what I mean by that is this is something that's seen with the uh, the, the sad puppies. Do you remember that? That whole thing with the awards for the sci-fi fantasy genre? Yeah. yeah. Where they were taken over by social justice. And really the entire genre is being taken over by that. If you look at publishers like Tor, right? It's because they're using those elements of the genre, the suspension of disbelief that comes with the genre to do what you said, equivocate on the word anything and the word capable. 
by creating unrealistic fantasies. To me, what made sci-fi so wonderful, and even horror, right? So wonderful is, it's when you intentionally take something impossible and place it in the possible to have a thought experiment about what would happen. Uh, the example I would think of is the motor in Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. right? The, the motor in Atlas Shrugged is a plot device created. It's a sci-fi element, a plot device to drive conflict over a certain idea. It's not about projecting a fantasy of what you wish the world were like. And the world you want is actually anti-reality. The idea of fat people being capable of anything. And I'm specifically saying that because it's very obviously physically what they're not capable of. Notice how I'm not mentioning race at all here. Again, I don't have an issue with the race stuff. It's the fat stuff. Yeah, I I can't imagine anyone looking back to this time in at least on on the American art side and I'm talking about literature in general and a lot of these all the stuff that's created in this time period is just going to be so strange it'll be very similar to people looking back at like russian literature during communism does that make sense it'll it'll, it'll be looked at as as strange and unique but of no artistic value yeah and that's like if i could time travel i wouldn't kill baby hitler i would go to the future to see what historians say about our time period like that yeah that that like it's a tragedy I can't live that long to see. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I just want to know are are we on the side of what history is going to write or are, are people like us going to be forgotten? Are people in the in the future going to witness the farce or are they going to talk about how beautiful social justice was? Right? Cuz history does go to the victors. So that Yeah. That's sort of one of the tragedies of our our lives, I think. Well, and don't we get to see some of that look back now, uh, even if it is through uh, some of the uh, modern audience uh, updates, you know, things like Stranger Things, uh, less looking back at the 80s. You know, it would be it would be interesting to look at the 80s through different lenses, uh, artistic lenses, right? Yeah, and I think we'll get into that a little bit, actually, with Trailer Takedown, if, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm talking about. Yep. I think all the trailers are relevant to that. So let's move on to to the next thing I wanted to talk about. And I don't want to go into all three of these stories here because that's a lot, but all of them have a common theme. And it's the lowering of educational standards in our country. Uh, The first story you sent, I believe, William, it's uh, parents in Culver City, California, are canceling honors classes in the name of, uh, or no, sorry, they're speaking out against a school in Culver City canceling honors classes in the name of racial equity. And then likewise, uh, Delaware lowered the passing score on the bar exam in a push for racial diversity. And then finally, Columbia College, Columbia University in New York City has become the first Ivy League school to permanently drop the SAT ACT testing requirement. And in the final article, I pulled out a couple quotes that I think are really indicative about two things we need to be careful of here. The first is as follows. Our review is purposeful and nuanced, respecting varied backgrounds, voices, and experiences in order to best determine an applicant's suitability for admission and ability to thrive in our curriculum and community and to advance access to our educational opportunities, the announcement said. 
So, William, I believe this is the, the, you know, when we talk about racial equity, social justice, I think this is the most polite and most political explanation of it possible, where they're saying it in a way that's very benevolent and very well-mannered. But it's actually rather insidious, and I think this is the rationale all of these stories are using, right? The Culver City School banning honors classes or canceling honors classes, Delaware lowering the passing score on the bar exam for racial diversity. And it's all to advance access to opportunities. But the problem is that you are failing in your role as gatekeeper. The purpose of gatekeepers is to keep the quality of those behind the gate up. So for the case of lawyers, don't you want to have better lawyers, right? Here they're saying, no, it's better to have more lawyers of different races than it is to have better lawyers. And the argument, of course, follows, oh, well, the only way we're going to have better lawyers of all races is if we give them the opportunities. Same thing with the Columbia story, right? It's the idea that, oh, you know, we're not going to gatekeep by using tests that nobody can reach because we need to have more diversity in our school. And then, of course, the honors classes, the idea of, well, it's not the same education for everyone because not everyone is able to reach those standards. So it is not equitable to teach different races differently. Therefore, we are going to get rid of that altogether. It, it, is it not failing your job and your role as a gatekeeper? Yeah. And I think there's another thread, Justin, running through all three of these stories. It's an attack on objectivity and, a, and, a, and an evasion of reality. You know, in the first one, we're, we're saying, oh, there's two in Culver City of all places. There's too many Asians getting honors classes and not enough uh, black and brown BIPOC or whatever the uh, fashionable thing to say is. And therefore, uh, rather than attacking the cause, we're just going to just erase it from reality. Right. And then then the problem goes away. Right. No more honors classes, no more, no more. We don't have to face the reality that, that a certain, you know, a, a certain, uh, a, a certain behaviors have certain, uh, outcomes regardless of race. Right. And then in the, in the second one, the, the, just ignoring the fact that, uh, the, the, the same thing is going on in the second one. And then the, and the third one with the, uh, ACT and SAT scores being dropped, that's removing an objective measure so that they can just pull in random people of any race and and do a woke ideology test in order to get in i mean uh, justin could could either of you or i get into could you get into your undergrad or me get into my undergrad to today with an application with the essay like we would have to write it today and and leave with our integrity i mean i'm definitely not getting into ithaca college nowadays i mean that's i, I don't think i could get into michigan institutions. yeah yeah i don't think i could get into michigan I mean, I don't know where I would get in nowadays. I mean, honestly, it, it's pretty insane. Uh, and I, I think the second thing we have to worry about here is the second quote from the article about the opportunism of these people. Right? They take any opportunity to slide the scale slightly so that what they want to do becomes more normalized. The New York City-based college has not required test scores from applicants since the 2020-2021 academic school year when it dropped the requirement amid the COVID-19 pandemic. 
It had extended the policy through the 2023-2024 school year last February, according to the Columbia Spectre, its student newspaper. Now, William, I don't want to get into a conspiracy theory where the pandemic was done intentionally in order to uh, make it so these things can happen. Rather, I think it's inverted. The pandemic happened, and then people were like, oh, how can we use this to push our agenda forward? You know, again, I don't think the pandemic was done to have the great reshaping or what was that called? The great relaunch. <laughs> what was it called? It's the uh, you all own nothing and you'll be happy, right? Uh, it's right. Uh, the great reset. The great reset. Right. I don't think they were like, let's create a global pandemic for the great reset. But then the pandemic happened and they were like, why don't we try and create a great reset based on that? And on a smaller scale, I think different industries people within it infiltrated it and used that as an opportunity. Oh, now we can finally get rid of test scores for good. Yeah. I, I, you know, just, I've been thinking a lot about uh, we're past the tipping point, I think for any higher institution to be saved. And I don't, I think that at this point, the cultural influence is going to start to wane. Like there's still going to be aftershocks of all the stuff that's been done before, but I don't think, I, I think that something else will replace, something will come from the internet, I think, and replace the academic influence that universities have. There's just, it, the, I know that people will look at it in dollars and cents and say, well, like all the, the spending's gone up every year and it's just going to keep ballooning. And that part I think is true, but we've seen every branch of the college just completely be taken over by this woke ideology and then they just end up writing things about nothing. Yeah. It's not, it's not very hopeful for higher education, is it? No, but I think that that is an opportunity though. Uh, just like we yeah. were talking about them using opportunity. That's an opportunity for some sort of other institution to take up that academic mantle mantle. Yeah. And I do think that that's the value of witnessing the farce because when you point out where the farce is, then you know where the opportunity is. And I think trying to normalize everything makes everything seem not farcical and that protects them, which is why I think the word normalize has become so normal and why they're trying to normalize so much because they don't want to be laughed at, yeah. right? That's why they sue when they can't power lift, right? It's why in Canada they make a law about pronouns to prevent people from creating the market opportunity because... The best way to oppress people is not through law. It's to convince them to oppress themselves. Yeah. Yep. I wish I could find a commonality between that and the next topic I want to talk about. Maybe you can, William. Maybe you can. But there was a lot of weird airline stories this week for some reason. So the first thing was you shared that uh, there was a flight from San Francisco to Sydney with an all LGBTQ plus crew, uh, I don't know if they're celebrating Pride in February. I know that the tweet says for Pride, yeah. but I have a question I want to ask you about this. Well, it would be summer. I think they would. I guess they would do Sydney Pride in summer. So oh, that kind okay. of makes sense a little bit. You know, they wouldn't want to do it. Anymore. Yeah, except the people from San Francisco, like, <laughs> well, they're flying out to Sydney winter. for Pride. Yeah, <laughs> and you got on the gay flight. Okay, but I want to ask you, isn't every 
airline crew all LGBTQ plus? <laughs> well, maybe with the exception of the pilots. Uh, yes. Yeah, I I don't know many. I yeah, that's a good question because I, I I'm I'm gonna make a, a gross overgeneralization, but I have not met a straight male flight attendant. I know they're out there, but I just haven't met them. Yeah, stereotypes aside, right? Jokes about stereotypes aside. Again, this is something I don't understand, right? Like, if the whole plan and the whole goal is to get ex- accepted, right? How is it a value and how is it achieving a, your goal if you then have a exclusionary flight? I don't know. And I'm I, Justin, I have a question for you. Will this airline do an all Christian flight for to celebrate uh, Easter coming up? Do people fly somewhere for Easter? Sure, you fly to see family, right? I don't know where the I, I don't know where they would pick, but I mean, you are pick... setting me up for such a bad joke. I'm going to get this show canceled. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Uh, is is there going to be an all Muslim flight on the way back to Mecca and Medina? Oh man, there already was. <laughs> oh man, you made the joke. I was going to say, or are they too afraid it's going to take a wrong turn into a building? That's true. I, it, we're we're joking because of the absurdity though. Like, oh, like picking an all picking an all protected class flight. I I don't know. It just feels so icky to me. I I've said I've I've said it on the show before. I would be so I, I would I would end up quitting any job that uh, hired me or promoted me based on the fact that I am male, that I identify as a woman, that I'm gay, any of these things, right? Outside of, like, some sort of, like, acting job, my appearance as well, right? Yeah, I just, like, this something I just don't understand, right? And it's 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 what you said earlier about the education story. Mm-hmm. It's the anti-reality nature of all of this, right? And what I mean by that is, and, William, you can speak to this more experientially than I can, because obviously I'm, I'm straight, but... The reality of the situation is you are not the majority of the population. And Shocker. isn't accepting some of your own identity, accepting that and accepting that fact. And therefore, if you want to be accepted, you wouldn't want to isolate yourself because you're removing yourself from the general population and you're evading what your identity actually is. Mm-hmm. Rather, you would want to be on a flight where, you know, they flew from San Francisco to Sydney with a flight of a bunch of people who didn't care what the sexuality or gender of the other people on the flight were. Yeah. Do you get what I I'm think, saying? I do. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's an important point because you can even look at it. Uh, stories that deal with uh, coming out used to appeal to a universality of dealing with, um, discovering yourself right yeah and, and now it's become uh, i don't know uh you know in, in the southern baptist world we have you know everyone has their their testimony right they have their how they found jesus and it be, it's become a how they found jesus story instead how right? they found penis story yeah instead. yeah but yeah penis instead of jesus and it's it's another it's it's been taken it's just been taken over by these crazy narcissists that make it everything about them and it's it's a, a badge of moral elite status to be lgbtqia plus. 
And it's that's not what it's about, right? It, it's not about well, it is getting attention what and being... It's about. Yeah, yeah. That's not what it was originally supposed to be about. Right. I just want to differentiate that language because it's very important to differentiate that. Although it's interesting you use the word narcissist, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think a lot of this comes down to narcissism. Again, chicken and egg, though. What caused it? And, you know, did the narcissism cause it or did it cause the narcissism? Or is it both? Right. The next story, I think, is very much related to narcissism. Apparently, a big conversation that's been going on online, William, is about an influencer who refused to switch business class seats so a family could sit together. Made a big deal of it on TikTok, acted as a point of basically pride. You know, oh, I'm not going to let you sit. I have this seat. And then it's become a big discussion. Is it right to move or not? And whose fault is all of this? You know, a lot of people said, you know, you should book your flight early enough so that you can all sit together. Other people pointed out that the airlines randomly move people. So that's the issue, right? I know some uh, some airlines have open seating, right, where they call you by zone. And then you just get the seats that are available. So, of course, everyone rushes on and get the window and aisle seat. So everyone else is stuck with the middle seat. But... What do you think of this, William? This idea that people think you shouldn't move your seat if somebody asks you, that you should just be like, suck it, deal with where you're sitting. I, I, I think that I'm, I would, I'm trying to put myself in that position. I, would be under, I wouldn't feel obligated to move, but I also don't think that it would be a problem in most cases, like, especially when it's a family you can kind of tell, right? And it's... It's in my interest in most cases because it'll be less disruptive, right? Like people, yeah. you know, people may want to go get into their family member's bag or they might have to change a diaper or whatever, right? Like all these things can happen um, and it just might be easier. Now, all that being said, like I, there, if, if this was like, oh, I'm in business class and I need to go back into, into coach, like, well, that's a different thing, you know? But yeah, I don't think that's what the story was. Yeah, I don't think it was either. But but I'm trying to put myself in a position where, like, I think by default, my answer would just kind of be yes. But maybe that's just because usually, usually, Justin, I don't care where I am on the plane as long as I can, you know, as long as I can be not disturbed for for the duration of the flight. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much the same way. I do prefer aisle seats, though, even though I get disturbed because I would rather people disturb me to go to go to the bathroom than me disturb people. Like, I think one yeah. of the worst things on an airplane is when you're in the middle or window seat and you got to wake one or two people up in order to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, I've actually climbed over people before and not woken them up and then climbed over when I went back and not woken them up. That's sort of how nimble yeah. and agile I am. I, I'm, it also helps when you're five, six. Like, I was going to say, <laughs> if I did that, I, I would have to fold myself into a pretzel in order to right. achieve that. When you're five, six and like you can do the whole pegboard up and down in the mat room, like it's a little easier to start doing that stuff. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can I can post on the uh, the chairs and swing my legs over. Right. So yep. it, I've had to do that, but I would prefer not to. But I think the only time I wouldn't switch seats is on like a 16 hour flight or mm-hmm. like an 11 hour flight. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're flying six hours to California, whatever, I'll, I'll switch seats, right? Six hours cross country, I'll switch seats. Three hours, I'll switch seats. 45 minutes, I'll switch seats. But if I'm going from like New York City to like Rome, 
I'm not switching seats. That's one of those where if you're flying that long, yes, you should have planned that chip trip far ahead of time. Yeah. I can understand why you would have waited for prices or they're going to mess around with you for domestic fr- flights. So I have more sympathy. But the idea of flying 16 hours and I paid all this money or 11 hours and I paid all this money and I'm going to be uncomfortable for your sake. I don't know. Maybe I'm a narcissist at that point. Uh, my question is, did the influencer check how many followers that family had to determine whether right. they were going to switch seats or not? That's what I was just going to say. This goes into the whole, um, crap, what's her name? She was in, she played Ivy Walker in, uh, The Village. She was in the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Bryce Dallas Howard. This goes into the Bryce Dallas Howard episode of Black Mirror. Mm. There's a performative nature of this narcissism. The idea of like, yeah, they're the narcissist and we're fighting back by not giving up our seats. But you're in fact going narcissist, right? And that's the question, right? Who's the real narcissist in the situation? The person asking everybody else in the flight to rearrange for them or the person refusing to rearrange for the other person? And I think we drop context so much without actually looking at each unique situation. Yeah. And there's a super polite way of asking. Right, the, ma- yeah. the matter of the asking is something too, but I don't know. Yeah, let's move on to uh, other made-up things on social media. So this is so ridiculous to me. I just had to talk about it because one, it's obviously made up, and two, like there's there's few things that I'm just like, why can't both sides agree on this? Because it's very easy, you know, just the, like the idea of inflation. You know, yeah. the idea of if we pump more money into the economy, the dollar devalues. Like, if we raise minimum wage, the dollar devalues. Like, that's a, that's just an empirical fact. And the idea that somebody disagrees on it is absurd. And it's the same thing here, right? So this is an Instagram post on the POTUS, P-O-T-U-S, account. I say that because I don't actually believe this is Biden posting this at all. This is completely a team trying to push his agenda. And it's... From supposedly, it's an Instagram DM he got from someone named Brenda. It says, Dear Mr. President, bank overdraft fees and credit card late fees are killing me. Sometimes I don't get to eat or get my prescriptions because I got to rob Paul to pay Peter. When will these fees be eliminated? What's the next step to making it reality? There's even a semicolon in here, right? This is not the way a normal person speaks, William. So before we even get into the content of this, right, and what the solution is being proposed is, do they really think people are this dumb? Like, this reminds me of Al Gore and his lockbox when he was mm, talking about yeah. that. I, I can't imagine. First of all, this is not real at all, right? This is some, if this, if even, if, I, I will entertain the possibility that this wasn't written by the people it, running the social media team at at the White House, only for the only other possibility that would be whoever the lobby is that's behind this effort sending automated messages to to the POTUS account. That's the only that's the only other option. There's a, there's only one either or there. Yeah, it could be that as well. Because nobody yeah. says, dude, nobody says I got to rob Paul to pay Peter. Yeah, well, old people maybe, but those people aren't on Instagram. Everyone knows they're on Facebook. Yeah, and isn't it a good thing if bank overdraft fees and credit card late fees are killing 
them? I mean, doesn't that achieve what China was trying to do with COVID-19 <laughs> and their elderly population? I guess. I, All right, that was a bad joke. I guess. All right. So this comes off super stilted and cringy to, mm-hmm. to anyone under the age of, what, Joe Biden maybe? I don't know. But <laughs> here's what the caption says. Like Brenda shared, hidden junk fees can add up and cause real pain. Can I just stop there? That's the point. Anyway, we're cutting credit card late fees by 75%. The next step is for Congress to pass my Junk Fees Prevention Act. This is what I don't understand. William, this is simple cause and effect. If you cut credit card late fees, what happens to credit card payments? They will never be made. Yeah, the interest rate will go up. And the interest rate will go up for everyone. Right? Yeah. Because instead of instead of the people causing the issue paying for the issue they caused, now everyone will have to pay. Right. So how do they think this solves the problem? Or are you saying that they're proposing this as a subtle means of wealth redistribution? Yeah. I'm I think I think this is for me, I haven't really figured out exactly why this is such an issue. Like, did this come out of polling or something? Like, it seems like it's come out of nowhere. And remember everyone laughed when you brought it up in the State of the Union? Like, this is this is this uh, me being out of touch, Justin? Am I living high on the hog in the 1% out here in, in beautiful uh, Dale's Lawn and just not understanding that there are people who can't pay their credit card? Like so, this isn't this is like not paying the minimum payment, right? Like the, the the like late fees, right? Right. But people's minimum payments go up the less they pay late fee or the yeah. less they pay on time and the more money they spend. Right? I do yeah, think who there's a got little them bit, in this mess. Like I don't well, know. themselves, right? Yeah. That's the point. And look, I do think there's a little bit of you being high on the hog. Now I don't know if this is true outside of LA. But when I was living in LA, I was trying to find out how people lived out there financially. And what I discovered, there was one of two answers. They were either a living with family or off of family or B, they were living off of credit cards. So I think this comes from a leftist echo chamber, Uh San Francisco, California, New York city, Right. Where people need to live off of credit cards in order to survive. Right. Don't get me wrong. I spend all my money on a credit card. But, you know, when I pay off my balance every month, I'm not spending beyond my means. I just get rewards so I could pay everything in cash, but I would get no rewards for that. So I have a credit card. I charge everything on that. I get my rewards and I spend the same amount of money. So why would I not do that? Yeah. Right. They offer the rewards because they think I'm not going to pay on time and they're going to make money off of me, which is greater than the rewards I'm getting back. I just play the system and use it to my advantage. Right. But most people don't do that living in these insanely expensive places to live because they don't want to give up the things I can have by living somewhere cheaper. They want to live in the expensive place and be able to spend all the same amount of money. And they do that using credit cards. And this is a way to try and help them.
Okay, seems like you're done with that. So yeah. uh, let's move on to our final story, which I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Like we haven't been on all of them because it's just sort of flat out absurd. But there are a couple of things I want to point out. So this is a deadline article, although I found the same headline on a bunch of websites. It says Florida bill would require that bloggers who write about Ron DeSantis and other officials to register with state or face fines. So apparently the terms of the bill say if a blogger posts to a blog about an elective state officer and receives or will receive compensation for that post, the blogger must register with the appropriate office within five days after the first post by the blogger, which mentions an elected state officer. So, I mean, let me first of all ask you, William, I mean, don't we talk about Ron DeSantis on this podcast? Yes, we do. Is that considered a blog or do podcasts not count? I don't know because I was going to ask you who writes a blog. Well, I don't right know there, I many, mean, who writes a blog? It's all Substacks. It's all Twitlongers. It's all all sorts of other things. Nobody nobody hosts their own blog anymore, do they? So this is a, a bill just against the old people. <laughs> yeah, just in, the old people uh, that <laughs> West Palm Beach. Yeah, I don't know. But this is a this reminds me. Wasn't there something going similar in in Colorado at one time, saying like if you uh, if you wrote about or something that would be considered campaigning, you had to register, and if you took money to to do things, you had to you had to register. And this is all coming back to the campaign finance reform and the the travesty that uh, the stifling of free speech that that is. You know, the uh, the Incumbent right. Protection Act, I think uh, Rush, the, the late, great Rush Limbaugh called, called it at the time. Right. And look, I don't think this is going to pass, right? I think this is grandstanding politically. It's the idea of, oh, we're going to fight back against cancel culture and all the negative things being said about the right in the media and the way these online platforms seem to skew more left. But obviously, this is a, a reprehensible idea. As you just said, it's anti-free speech. That's the problem. And honestly, it really only would be used against political opponents. Because how could you possibly track all of this? Right? Every blog that receives compensation in the in the world of OnlyFans and Patreon. I mean, couldn't you theoretically write a post on OnlyFans that's about an elected state officer and then your fans are paying for that? It's even worse. Uh, Justin, you can put your Bitcoin wallet address on your Twitter. We've uh, we've not done it for the midside yet, but we, we could put that... Uh, and people do, right? You can tip via Twitter. So that means every single Twitter user would need to register if they mention right. the candidate. So I'm, I'm picturing a guy who's hired only to look at Twitter and OnlyFans all day in the state of Florida. <laughs> like, that's his job up in Tallahassee. He's just looking at uh, Twitter and OnlyFans. And they can't fire him for looking at OnlyFans. That's true. So yeah, and he has to subscribe part... to them all in order to see. Right. So now the government is paying for OnlyFans. Right. So this this is an unintended consequence of this bill. Right. <laughs> but the, that's not the, the, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, though, Justin. Right. Why, why is DeSantis' name even in this headline? Did you say that because he's Republican? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that you you had the same thought I had when you texted about it, right? What was the word you said when you texted about it? Oh, I don't remember. What did I say? I said something smart, and now I don't remember. 
Yeah. But it was the same thought I had. Like, oh, no, you said it's the buzzword, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, it's the buzzword, yeah. Ron DeSantis has become the new Florida man. If Florida man does this. Florida man does that. Now it's Ron DeSantis does that, right? It, it's like linking anything to him just to get clicks, right? Yes, technically he is a Florida elected official, but he has nothing to do with this bill. He's not sponsoring it. The bill doesn't say anything about him specifically. They only put this in there as a technicality. And likewise, there's a related story in here. Ron DeSantis appointee to Disney World Special District pushed conspiracy theory that tap water may be turning people gay. Right? Why does that say Ron DeSantis? Why didn't it not say appointee to Disney World Special District pushed conspiracy theory? Because it's all about two things, William. One, the clicks. And two... They're already getting ahead of attacking DeSantis for a presidential run, are they not? Yes, they want to pollute the uh, the search results as as early as they can, right? All only negative stories about associated with DeSantis. So it's the uh, the same thing. Uh, remember when uh, SUVs were committing all these crimes uh, back in the back in the day in the nineties? Uh, SUVs were uh, driving off the road and killing people, and it was always the SUVs, SUVs, SUVs. It was like, wait. They're drivers. There are people. It's not the SUVs going rogue. Yeah. Well, it's not just the, the polluting of the search engines, because obviously they weren't doing that in the 90s. It's the, This is the subtle programming they do for people by creating an association that they repeat and repeat and repeat. Right. And it, it was they did that. We saw with Trump being racist. Right. For all the faults Trump has, I don't I don't think he's ever been a racist. Right. And, you know, we critique Trump for a myriad of things, right? There were so many things we critique Trump for, but they just hit that over and over again. Yeah. You know, the idea that, you know, Republicans are stupid, right? Republicans are racist. That's been hit over and over again. And now that's the plan with DeSantis. And it's, it's just so tiresome. And kind of boring, but it was a funny headline when I read it. Yeah. As sort of the same thing with Florida man. And we'll get even talking. We'll get into talking even more about Florida Man in Trailer Takedown. So let's head into it in the Hope for Romantic with JML. I'm not even going to plug right now, William. And I was going to give you an opportunity for a review. Oh, Uh, I got one. I got a short one. I'll do a really short one. How about that? You could talk, but I'm fading here. I don't know if you can hear me. My voice is fading. (laughs) So we, I need to get get through the trailers. (laughs) So you, you could say whatever you want. Uh, Let's keep it to six minutes at most. And then we'll, we'll head into the, the trailer so I can just like stop talking. Well, I'm trying to find the name of the series. I just watched this uh, sci-fi series um, on Amazon Prime. It's it's called uh, uh, To the Stars, I think. And uh, is that like part of uh, the Little John song? To the window, <laughs> to the stars, to the stars. But I'll 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 post a, a link to it, but um, I love the premise of this show. It starts off kind of slow, and they when give the sweat th- drips down my balls. <laughs> it starts off kind of slow, but uh, the 
the great thing about it is that it gives it gives all of the time that is necessary to really build up these characters. And the premise of the show is that these this older couple, um, uh, it's called Night Night Sky, by the way. Uh, this older couple find this uh, thing. Uh, kind of like where the bomb shelter should be underneath their shed as they're building a shed and come to find out it, you go inside and it takes them to what appears to be another planet. And so for years they have this device and they are just keeping it quiet to themselves and um, without going into too many spoilers, something the, the, uh, the older grandmother figure um, she is uh, not been doing well with her health, and she goes one day by herself in the middle of the night. She's going to go try the door and go outside. And they've they've uh, done this. They, they sent mice out there, and they died, so they were just always been afraid to go out there. And she's basically going to commit suicide, right? She's going to go outside. She thinks she's going to commit suicide. But as she goes to do it, um, um, a, a boy, uh, like 18, 19-year-old man, um, she turns around and sees him inside this little box on on the other planet and things go from there. And I, I think you should watch this. If you are interested in an interesting sci-fi series, I don't know if they're going to do a season two, you know how it is on these streaming platforms, but the first season is well contained. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, of, of good acting and some really beautiful shots and, and, and special effects in the movie. So yeah, that's my review of Night Sky. I say give it a try. Sounds like an interesting premise. So I'll give it that. Yeah, no time travel, Justin, but I think you might like it. That's not the only thing I like. Okay. <laughs> God, I like I like some uniqueness and, and diversity. I, I am married to a Filipino woman. Like, come on. Right, that was probably a bad joke. <laughs> All right, so the trailers. The trailers are on the midside.com and the midside.com says podcast or they're in discord, right? Oh no, I said that all wrong. <laughs> said that all wrong. The trailers are in discord, which you can find the link to on the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. This way you can uh, watch the trailers whenever you want before the episode, after the episode or during the episode. That's up to you. Hit the sound bite. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Florida Man is a show that just wants to make Florida look bad. Look, I don't really remember much of what's going on in this show. It's about a guy who's from Florida, who has to go back to Florida so he can leave Florida. And everyone in Florida is like an ignorant redneck who like rolls around with alligators. Like this is like... I I don't know. I don't I don't understand. I do understand. Like, I mean, if you need more more proof of the conspiracy against Florida, you can watch this. But do not come to me and ask me if this is what it's like in Florida. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, could we just replace, um, you know, Florida with Alabama? Or or Mississippi? Would people be, uh, you know, would it be, would it change the plot at all? Or, or, the, or the movie at all? I don't know. This doesn't look, this, this, this looks... This looks very politically motivated without yes. having any politics in it. Yes, gonna, when I'm they were like, sun, sometimes sunshine hides the shadiest people. It's like, the, why isn't the fucking <laughs> look movie at California? About California? <laughs> yeah, same time. 
Jinx, oh me, I Second trailer. Wow, you didn't even hit the way to step on it. Just the barn and Lori's pregnant. Oh wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I'm it's glad falling I'm apart. The... <laughs> way to step on it, Justin. I'm glad I'm not the only one falling apart right now. Because uh, it's because okay. I, I, I switched a little behind the, uh, uh, behind the baseball. I have to switch soundboards to go to, get to the other ones, and I I clicked too fast. But you said behind the baseball, not you meant behind the scenes or inside behind baseball, the scenes or ball. inside baseball. Thank you. All right, let's All right, try to that's okay because we're we're gonna be saved by this next trailer. <laughs> okay, the blackening. All right. First of all, like you hear that name, William, and you're like, I don't want to watch this. This sounds ridiculous. And then you watch the beginning of the trailer, and you're like, so it's a self-aware horror movie about black people. And you're like, I don't want to watch this. This is some social justice crap, right? But then as it gets deeper, it seems like it's making fun of all that. It's like taking all the tropes of the, you know black genre and i say that because there's a genre of movies that are marketed to specifically black people and the horror genre and it's using it to make a horror comedy making fun of all of these issues and it got to the point that i was laughing hysterically at this and i was like am i allowed to be laughing at this as a white person because it's so correct it's so on the dot that this looks William, I'm going to say something bold. This looks absolutely brilliant. And I am very, very excited for this movie. This is a massive, massive, massive hug. Hug. Yeah, uh, Justin, you know, I have a high bar for comedy. I think the best way to summarize it is it looks like a horror comedy version of Jumanji. Right? Like there's there's the game element and then a little bit of Saw mixed in maybe. Um yeah, dude, but, the, uh, the, the the Saw character, like the, the guy on the screen with the mask, mm-hmm. like he's done in such a funny way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and just uh, just so much of it is funny. And I think the element you're underplaying here is, yeah, it's not just a Jumanji horror comedy. It's a Jumanji horror comedy that is intentionally about race. Yeah. It's not just that they happen to be black. It's that they're black. To make a point satirically. Yeah. And I think we will know whether this movie is good based on whether critics pan it as not being woke enough. So even with that, this is a Netflix and hug for me. Netflix and hug. Third trailer. Peter Pan and Wendy is a retelling of both the original novel and the Disney animated classic that's going to be released on Disney+. Plus. It's live action and... I don't fucking understand. Right, William? So we're, like, partway into this. Like, very early, it's the Lost Boys, and there are some girls, and they have to have the line, but you're not boys. So it doesn't matter. Right, like, okay, so we gotta make a point that the Lost Boys can be girls. You could have just shown them as girls, and you would have made your point, and nobody would have cared. But you're gonna have this didactic dialogue. And then, and then... I'm going to say it, William. Tinkerbell is black. <gasps> okay? And this is direct... Uh, this is in all three of these trailers, okay? I'm going to make this point in all three of these trailers in a different way. I literally do not care that the, the movie, the blackening, they're all black. I don't think there's going to be a single white person in that movie, and maybe the bad guy's a white person, and it could work, right? Because 
the premise works and because they're seem to be making a worthwhile point. And this one, this is the same thing I said about the little mermaid. This is set in England. Tinkerbell is a blonde woman. Why, why is she black all of a sudden that changes Tinkerbell's character? Likewise, Peter Pan is intentionally a racially ambiguous little boy. Could be Indian, could be Muslim, could be Hispanic. Right? We don't know. Now there's a case to be made, but that's that that's the way England is nowadays, right, with all the immigrants. But that's part of the problem is this is where I start to sound like a right wing Trumper and all of these things well, where to your point there there it's still set in the past though is it that makes it worse I think so yeah. that makes gonna make me sound even worse because at what point is culture lost when you're trying to replace everything and make it up to date and more woke and equitable when is culture lost right yeah. I don't mean make American great make America great again by throwing out all the immigrants I don't mean that at all. I mean, when people come here, live up to a certain set of ideas that we all hold that are across racial lines. When John Locke talked about natural rights, I don't think he intended for there to be racial lines with that. I I certainly don't believe in that. But we've made this all racial lines. And at what point are these things lost? It's not that this movie looks particularly terribly made. The production value is great. The acting seems great. It's just the... Artistic choices are very off-putting. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit more against it uh, on the artistic uh, side, but I also think that I'm a little more against it on even the plot side. Switching these characters' races and doing the things they did with the uh, with having lost boys not all be boys, it changes. It attacks the theme of the book. The, there's a line about how, you know, boys aren't smart enough to, or, or girls are too smart to get captured the way the lost boys get captured. And the whole point of Wendy being Wait, so you're, know, around you're, the same you're age. And, this is actually a men's rights movie now? No, I'm saying they're, they're taking out a, a female character doing what, what a, Showing what uh, a female, a woman's influence is for boys and helping them mature. That's the whole theme of, of, of this, you know, getting Peter to leave this, this surreality and return to reality, right? Yeah, it's and an excellent mature point. as a man. And right, so it's to the make. Idea of the, but let me, let me ask you this, though. Well, Isn't that the idea of the, the woman civilizing the man? Yes, yes, I think it is. Isn't that but isn't that an anti-male perspective that the man needs to be civilized by the woman? I I don't think so. I I think that there are that I think that there's a sort of a, a a yin and yang sort of situation when it comes to the masculine and the feminine that that there are there are that each can be complementary or toxic in 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 specific ways, right? And to take Wendy and make her be the swashbuckling swordsman in the preview it's undercutting the message, the complete message, right? Of in the theme. So I think that this is. I don't. I. I am less. Uh, I. I'm going to stake that you're, th- this is going to be a bad movie, not just because of the, you know, the actual swapping, but the fact that they've already showed us they're going to punch you in the nose with it means that they're going to yeah. fuck up the theme of the movie. And yeah. so this is going to be 
worse than bad, it's going to be trash. Yeah, so. it's an excellent point, especially with we've we've recently learned that they did the same thing with the Little Mermaid remake, where now she's not pursuing love with Eric. She's just trying to get away and get free. And Eric is something that comes along with that incidentally. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. And it's it's destroying. It's an attempt. It, it is what someone does when they can't create their own art. They do this. Tackle. Tackle. Final trailer. Haunted Mansion is Disney's second live action adaptation of the Haunted Mansion ride in the style of Pirates of the Caribbean. And I will say that this movie looks a lot better than the first movie that came out with Eddie Murphy. Didn't look very good. Although, interestingly, or that movie wasn't very good. I don't even know if I got all the way through that movie. But... Interestingly, this trailer also features a black family moving into the mansion. And uh, look, I don't have a problem with that. Like, this is a, 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 a perfect example, William, of where the race of the family, of the characters, can be completely incidental. And you can literally cast racially blind. Where you can just be, we want the best actor for this role. And race should matter. Because culturally, there's nothing really about the Haunted Mansion. I mean, I guess maybe... You could try and twist it to be something about like old British aristocracy and the way they treated minorities. Uh, but you'd really have to reach for that. and It doesn't look like they're reaching for that. I don't have a problem with that. The only thing I do have a problem with is the race of the, the bride who kills her husbands is changed in this story. They show her as a black woman, whereas in the ride, she's a white woman. That seems just no reason to change that. Although I will allow for, I think they, my guess would be this. My guess would be that they changed it because this family is somehow related to her. And that's going to be discovered throughout the movie and the plot. I think that's the only reason they wouldn't, or they would change that. I don't see any other reason they they would. There, there's no reason to, it doesn't seem to fit what's going on in the story. Because otherwise race is incidental in this trailer. So, I actually think this looks interesting enough to go see and give a chance, especially because I think it's being released directly to theaters. So I am going to hug this. Hug. <clears throat> this looks. This looks like there might be some fun to be had, but I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it. It 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 feels like it might be just a little bit made for kids and maybe not as enjoyable for adults. But given all that. This still is the best-looking uh, Disney movie that's coming out right now. So uh, I think I'll give it a chance. Maybe Disney will have one movie that I can stand watching, and this might be it. So I will hug. Hug! All right. I'm willing to tap. I'm ready to tap out here, so I'm not going to shill. I'm not going to ask you what you learned this trip. Sorry, I'm going to be a narcissist. I'm heading right into the outro. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emelzneski reminding you that if things get tough... Take a step back and witness the farce. Have a DeSantez. How long before someone gets assaulted for wearing a DeSantez hat? Does he have hats? I don't know.
I'll Let's look into it. it. <laughs>